Welcome, everybody. You are listening to Two Massage Therapists and a Microphone. My name is Amanda, registered massage therapist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And as promised, part 2A, I guess, of our um, our series on plastic surgery. Um, today, I am speaking via Facebook Live with Danielle Washington, and she's going to continue the discussion that I started with you guys uh, yesterday about um, breast implant illness. Uh, she actually was diagnosed with breast implant-associated anaplastic large cell lymphoma, and yes, I had to write that down to remember all of those words. Um, so she's going to talk to us about her personal experience and uh, what she has learned about breast implants, breast implant illness, and what she's doing in the community to spread awareness. Because um, as I, I said on the episode yesterday, this shit is so serious. And I'm just so blown away that I didn't know it existed and that there's probably a lot of us who don't really understand it. The medical community apparently doesn't even fully believe it's a thing. And uh, I just want to do what I can to start making people understand this very serious and very real illness. So, Danielle, thank you for hanging out with us tonight. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. So I'll just kind of, I'll tell you a little bit about me. So I am a mom. I have uh, six beautiful girls and a wonderful husband. Um, so what happened is, I guess the short, easy version is I had my first five daughters. I wasn't one of the my sisters. Like, I have four sisters. But anyways, I wasn't one of them that was breast or blessed with any breasts at all. So, <laughs> but anyways, I spent about eight and a half years breastfeeding my first five girls. And... Um, after my fifth daughter, I made the decision uh, to get breast implants. So in July 4th of 2011, I underwent breast augmentation surgery. Now, at that time, I really didn't know much about it. I was out looking for finding a good surgeon. And you know what? I'd seen not a whole lot of... Uh, bad things except for what you would say maybe bad implant jobs at the time right so I didn't know anything about this cancer just in general anything to do with the toxins that were in breast implants so I had this surgery done everything was fine I had uh, my sixth daughter Aria in uh, January of 2014 and it was about five months after she was born that uh, she was declared failure to thrive. So I had no idea. Like, she was hospitalized, and they looked at me like if maybe I was the one doing something wrong. So, But anyways, her liver, she had some liver issues, other problems going on. Um, she was in the, in the second percentile of the growth chart. Now, obviously... You have kids, Amanda, so you know you know what the growth chart is, and I'm sure a mm -hmm. lot of other people out there do. So it's it's very important to their to their whole just growing up and you know making sure that they're thriving, right? Mm -hmm. So, but anyways, she had uh, been hospitalized, and uh, so at that time, 
I was kind of freaked out, but I did for the first time I switched my daughter to formula and I had never given any of my kids formula and it still ma didn't make any difference. So I did have a car accident later that year and with my three youngest girls, um, someone ended up rear-ending us and so I had some back issues there and then they started to get better. And what I didn't know is in December of 2015, I, my back pain just came back with a vengeance, worse than it ever, ever was. And I had no idea that it was related to my breast implants, but I was about to find out. So, you know what, I was going through like into 2016, early 2016, and I was suffering a lot. Here you are, um, you know, you see yeah. that something's going on with your daughter and... Yep. You don't really know what's going on. I mean, I can't even imagine that feeling, like being a mother and, oh. you know, the doctor saying oh. failure to thrive. Like, you know, it's not that I don't know what those words mean, but my reaction would be like, what they do look, you mean? Like, oh, it's. And you know what? They, and originally when I first, when this first happened and she got diagnosed with this, they looked at me like as if I was a criminal, right? And I was oh, thinking, yeah. oh my God what am I going to do? And I was like, I'm like, I can't figure out why she was like this. So, and mm -hmm. like I said, putting her on formula made no difference. But anyways, you know, just going ahead a little bit, uh, I, my back pain, like I said, came back in December of 2015 and just awful. Like I could barely walk. It just got worse on a daily basis. And uh, little did I know what was brewing. But so I had my implants, like I said, put in July 4th. 2011 and then on July 2nd 2016 I just went about I got up in the morning I had my coffee and fed the kids and went upstairs had a shower came out of the shower and I couldn't believe it I looked in the mirror and my left breast was literally double the size of my right oh my god and I was looking I went I was screaming for my husband and I said to him I said oh my god what's going on and so I immediately phoned the plastic surgeon who had put them in and I couldn't get in touch with anybody till the, I remember it was a Saturday, but I couldn't get in touch with anybody till the Monday. So the Monday came around and I went in to see him and he basically Mommy. looked at me and he told me, don't worry, this happens all the time. He says it'll go in its own. So Can I ask you a question had, before you continue yeah. with your conversation? Um, you said it was the Saturday that you had gotten out of the shower and, you know, the left one was twice the size. Was it painful? Like, were you in a lot of pain for two days waiting to see the doctor or was it just the swelling? No, it was just the swelling at that time. Initially, okay. I just, you know what, I, I had never even knew about a swelling you know, there was no discussion brought up that I can recall. But anyway, well, and not, I, and not five years later, you said 2011, yeah. you got them in. And but yeah, it, okay. was, it's, it was two days shy of having them in for five years. Yeah. So okay. now, so anyways, I had this swelling, I went to see him, he said, everything's okay, don't worry, it'll go away on its own. This happens all the time. I was like, okay, right. And literally within days, I became so sick. And I sick how? I had flu-like symptoms. I, it was just, it was an, it was awful. I was, I was starting to lose my vision, fatigue, uh, night sweats, like everything just poured on me all at once. 
and mm-hmm. every day just got worse and worse. And um, so as I went back to him, I said, look, something is seriously wrong. He says, okay, well, I'm going to send you for an ultrasound. So I'm not sure how much you know about BIA, ALCL, or breast implant illness. Um, sounds like you guys are fairly new to this, but... Uh... We, we are fairly <laughs> new. This actually, this actually all stemmed from a client of mine going through something not quite as scary um, as what yours sounds like, but about five years after her implants were put in, she started having really excruciating back pain, um, insomnia, uh, pain in her breasts, yeah. uh, swollen lymph nodes, a multitude of other symptoms that none of them really seemed related, but it wasn't until she actually discovered the group where you and I met that she realized yeah. that they they were all related. Yeah. You know what? It's amazing. There's so many thousands of women out there. Like there's groups with over 50,000 women in them and you know, there's more groups growing daily. I'll just keep going on with the bit of my story here. So mm-hmm. I had, uh, he said he was going to send me for an ultrasound. I still had, obviously, the swelling. Uh, I do actually have uh, a picture of it on, I gave you the links to two of my public pages. Yes, and when we publish this, I will also link oh. those so that other people can see them. Exactly, and on my Canadian page, there is a picture of a woman actually holding breast implants, and those are actually what came out of my body. So, And they're yellow, they're toxic. Eventually, I went for this first ultrasound. Um, the radiologist was supposed to come in and re- drain the fluid. He wouldn't even come into the room. I was sent away. And then I finally got back in there again, and the radiologist did do the ultrasound-guided needle biopsy done, like, through ultrasound by a radiologist. So they just drained just over 400 cc's of fluid out of my left breast. And it really, it just looked, it looked like a cup of pee, right? (laughs) Except lots of it. Mm -hmm. But um, you know what? I still at that time, I had no knowledge of BIA, ALCL. So anyways, I went back to my surgeon and he said, well, we got the results back and everything looks good. You're, you're, you're fine. And he says, we, I don't think it's anything to do with your implants and I'm going to schedule you for a MRI. Then at that appointment, he said, well, I just wanted to let you know about, uh, there is a type of lymphoma associated with breast implants, but don't worry, you don't have it. I actually left that appointment, and uh, I was still trying to kind of work at that time. Um, I was working with my husband as a finance manager. I went home, and I started Googling, and that's when I saw BIA ALCL. And I said to my husband, I said, this is what I have. Obviously, his first reaction is, you know, don't be ridiculous, right? So, but you know what? Somewhere in my heart, I just, I knew that this was going to be the next chapter of my life. So I waited and I think it was six days later, um, it was July 28th and I got a call from the plastic surgeon's office and they said that he needed to speak with me and uh, how soon could I come in there? I was at work with my husband that day, and uh, I told him, I said, you know what, don't worry about it. I said, it's probably nothing. I said, uh, I said, you know what, you just stay here. I said, I'll be fine. I knew in in the nurse's voice what I was going in there for, and uh, 
So I went into the office. There was not a soul in sight. And he's he's a very busy plastic surgeon. But anyways, I was put in a room with one of the nurses and uh, I could just see the look on her face. A moment later, he walked into the room and he had his surgical clothes on, looked at me and he said, so as you know, Danielle, it's uh, I got your test results and I said, it's cancer, isn't it? And like I'd said, everything from there was a blur. And he said to me, you know what, this is really rare. It's about your chances of getting it is about one in five million. And I thought to myself, geez, I have to be the lucky one to get this, right? You know, it's I've I've had some ups and downs in life and uh you know what, it, it was just another another chapter starting in my life and um although I I wish I could take this all back, um I would tell you right now that uh, I would do it over again and again if it meant that nobody else would get diagnosed because, you know what, what what I've gone through is just no one should have to go through. And uh, my story is not even as bad as some, but the fact is that I really had to fight for answers and our medical system is is not what, what people think of it in regards to, you know what, you think that these, when you get breast implants or you see a plastic surgeon, you know what, you're there because you, you're wanting something and they already know that you're wanting something. So it's really easy for them to sell you a product, right? One thing I can say, I remember before getting these implants, um, I was uh, still, I was just kind of on the verge of ending my relationship with my ex-husband, but um, he was a big guy. And just before I got these, uh, he actually let my ex-husband step on them. And he's a big guy, about 360 some odd pounds. And just to show how strong they are, one of the words were is that I would basically have to be in a car accident so bad that it would probably have to kill me in order for these to rupture anything, right? Now I had obviously I had cohesive textured silicone. So what everyone refers to now as the gummy bear implants, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if you've heard of those before, but um, that's what I got. From there my journey began and I started going from surgeon to surgeon and like I'm I live in uh, BC in the lower mainland. So, I mean, there's quite a few resources like out in Vancouver and everything. But you know what? I was at uh, the BC Cancer Agency and literally I was going from one doctor to another and nobody had heard of this before. And it was starting to become really, really scary. Eventually, I got myself in touch with Dr. Mark Clemens, who is out of MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, Texas, and uh, he's one of the leading uh, leading experts in this field in regards to this cancer. Um, he's in many of the clinicians that do head this up are plastic surgeons. Eventually, I got in touch with him, and I did see a breast cancer doctor. She was amazing very honest. She told me that all she could recommend, because she didn't know anything about this, was that uh, they do a radical mastectomy and possibly have to remove some of my ribs in order to, because your, your implants sit on really vital organs. Now, I don't know if you know anything about this, but if you say like any kind of medical device, like a hip implant, a, a pacemaker, anything like that, um, a breast implant, 
once that's put into your body, your body is auto- automatically starting to reject it. So it builds up a scar tissue around it. Yeah. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. that. Yeah. yeah, that I, I am familiar with. And I sort of brought it up when I was um, doing my introduction to this last night in that I, I didn't totally understand all the terminology, but what I was understanding is that when the implants are being removed, they have to take all of that as well, or your symptoms are not going to go away. Is that correct? Yes, you do need to. It is very crucial to remove all the capsules. There's a lot of doctors out there that won't. Um, it's it's actually quite scarce, the, the list for surgeons willing to take these implants out and do it properly. And what is it what so is the capsule what does the capsule mean? Like what does that mean removing all the capsules? So when you're you okay, so if you have this implant, um first of all a breast implant, uh they're all made up out of a silicone shell. And mm-hmm. you can find the information on my pages, but um and in other breast implant groups but they are filled with over over 40 toxic chemicals. It's actually, the manufacturers actually don't have to release what they put into the breast implants, but you've got things like arsenic, just one thing after another. And these are just, these are things that should never, ever go into the body, right? The capsule, if you think of that, as soon as the implant gets into your body, it starts automatically breaking down because the normal body temperature is roughly around 98 degrees. So you're no longer at room temperature anymore, right? And so the implant automatically just starts to break down slowly over time and it will release these chemicals. And these chemicals are going in, they're getting into the capsules. So when someone is out there and they're looking for an explant surgeon, there's many of them who will not guarantee 100% of the capsule removal. Um, there's so the capsule is, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. So the capsule the, then is, but that's like part of your own breast tissue then? That's scar tissue? That's not something that was no, put into it, you? No, your body builds it automatically to try and fight off the implant. Okay. Okay. So that, yeah, that's what I was trying to explain yesterday. But as I said, I'm completely new to this. So I didn't really understand what the capsule meant, but I was kind of getting the idea that, yeah, that was something that it was your, your body's immune response. It was sort of a defense against this foreign object that was in your body. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just like as if you were to say you were to have a heart transplant, you would need anti-rejection medication for the rest of your life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it's the body's way of, of defending itself against this foreign object that's come inside, right? Right. So, and with all the toxins, especially someone that is diagnosed with this cancer, it is absolutely critical that they have all the capsules removed. Now, okay. there's certain terminology I'm not sure if you've heard of, but there's an end block procedure. So. That is basically where a surgeon would go in and they would remove the implant and the capsule as a whole. So they wouldn't break into the capsule. They would they would remove the, the capsule with the implant inside first. And then once outside of the body, then they can open up the capsule and see see what is inside. Because I'm not sure if you've seen, but there's there's some pretty horrific things that have gone on. It's like if you look at uh, ruptures and not even that, just 
even saline implants, people think, okay, well, you know, I'm getting saline implants put in and, you know, if they're safe, it's, you know, if if they rupture and it's, it's just going to leak into my body. But, you know, they're also easily, like, they're more easy to contaminate. So they build up like bacteria mold, like I've seen saline. Yeah, I saw some, black. I saw some photos. Yeah, I saw photos in the, in the group that, I just, I couldn't believe it. Literally like visible black mold in the implants that came out of the woman's body. I was just, my jaw hit the floor. Oh, it's, it's just, you know what? It's absolutely horrifying. And just seeing some of this stuff is just, it's just terrifying. So, so can, Danielle, can I ask on. you, can I ask you two questions before you go on? Um, Cause I just don't want to forget. The first one is uh, we were wondering when we started looking into this, when you're going in for your initial consult with a plastic surgeon, because you want to have the augmentation done, are any of these risks explained to you? Is Was the cancer ever mentioned to you? Um, I know that breast Never. implant illness is not even recognized, but any of the symptoms, you know, the, the autoimmune disorders, the inflammation, like is any of this ever mentioned to you or is it in a consent that you have to sign? Did, did you have any idea um, that this could happen? The, the cancer part, no. Um, I wasn't aware of any of that. Um, there is some autoimmune issues, but you know what? When I signed these consent forms, and I think for a lot of women, you know what? They're told about, say, a capsular contracture. So if your breast hardens, right? Um, mm-hmm. you know what, that to contact them. But uh, I think with a lot of people like myself, um, they're given these consent forms and they're signing them there in the office. So you know what, you're, you've already put your trust in this doctor, right? And totally. Yeah. There may, there's, there's some out there that uh, will uh, explain the risks. And I, that's one thing that me and many other women are, are hoping to achieve. As not only that is that, you know, it, if women knew what the actual risks were, they probably wouldn't get the procedure done. Well, and as, as a, you said, you know, when thing. it, when it, yeah. And I, I mean, as you said, when it comes to, for example, the cancer, when you're told something like one in, what did they say? Five million. I'm sure when it comes to these yeah. other autoimmune disorders that I've seen are associated with uh, breast implant illness, things like rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis. I've seen Lyme disease, lupus. Like when I, when I see these things, I assume that even if they were told to you, it would be told to you in a way that was, this is an extreme cases. You know, it's like when you take your babies in to get vaccines, it's, you know, in one in, you know, a hundred million cases. So yeah, I mean, I can understand if you're signing a consent in a doctor's office, who's telling you, you know, these are not harmful, they're non-toxic, they're innocuous, you're, you know, you're safe. You're going to trust the doctor. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And you know, one thing I want, I would like to point out too, So there has been some recent articles come out um, that they are slowly starting to recognize breast implant illness. Now, Mm -hmm. obviously, if breast implants can cause like a cancer of the immune system, definitely they're going to cause other issues, right? And of course, you know what, there's, um, we have uh, February 13th, which is Breast Implant Illness Awareness Day. Um, You know what, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty special day. And then we also have another day in September. I believe it's September 25th um, for our fallen angels. Um, Those are women that we've lost to breast implants. Now, 
since I've uh, since I became aware of this and um, I originally went out into the media I'll talk about that after but uh, you know what I've seen and I've I've met some of these women and you know what it some of these women that I've come so close to and young ladies just like myself I mean I'll be I'm 39 right now and you know what I just I just lost a a good friend of mine uh, earlier this year, not long ago. And to see women just, they're losing their lives over this is just, it's it's not, it's something that should never happen. And it is completely, completely avoidable. So this is, this is part of, well, and the main reason that I wanted to do this episode in particular with somebody, I mean, it's not, your story has gone beyond breast implant illness. I mean, you developed cancer due to the breast implant. The plastic surgeon didn't even say, you know, it's not the implant. It was, okay, this is associated with implants. It's just very rare. And I just feel like majority of the women that I know, I mean, I'm not generalizing all women, but the majority of the women that I know that have gotten implants have gotten it for reasons that I've thought about. The reason that you stated, you know, just not feeling good about the way your breasts look anymore. And I think if majority of them knew what it could do to your life, yeah, you'd you'd be okay with the, the not so full breasts. Yeah. I think. Well, you know, you know what? Not only that is that I speak to a lot of women and just a lot of women's stories that have come out that have gone through breast cancer. And you know what? There's there's other alternatives like they have the, the dye flap surgery, um, you know, where they take parts from your stomach, I think, and bring them right. up, right? Right. For reconstruction. But you know what? A lot of these women are are pressured into getting getting breast implants, you know, whether it be from their oncologist or or whoever it is that's going to do their reconstruction, you know, telling them that you know what they were not going to feel like a woman, they're going to feel concaved and everything like that, you know what? So these women have already gone through one cancer, and generally, someone with breast cancer they will use expanders in order to to place in an implant. So over time, these women will have expanders in for a period of time. And these generally, these expanders are textured. Then over a period of time, then they finally, they will get implants put in. And the majority of women going through breast cancer who have reconstruction with breast implants will have a textured implant because they want that to hold it in place. And these women are not being told about the risk of getting another cancer. So you know what? to go through one cancer and then to find out that you have now got another cancer because of something you did to to try and make yourself feel a little bit better after your last cancer so you know what those in those are that that really makes me so so furious that uh, that people can be so so dishonest as to not warn these women. You know what? I'll say that um, after I had my implants put in, um, I did go back and saw my plastic surgeon several times, like actually multiple times over a period of the the five years. As I was getting older, I, you know, kids lack of sleep. I, you know, I had bags under my eyes, this and that. So you know, mm-hmm. I went there. I, I got some injections. Um, I did uh, some of their skincare lines and. You know what? So he had multiple opportunities to bring this up to me. And it was actually released. Um, Health Canada released a statement to the plastic surgeons here in Canada um, 
It was January 31st, 2011, um, and that was in regards to the warnings of breast implant-associated anaplastic large cell lymphoma. So, you know what, prior to this, you know, my surgeon did know, and, you know, it left me in the dark. And one thing that I did as soon as I was diagnosed is um, I went to CTV National. It was something that I, I don't regret for a second. But um, I wanted to share my story with other women and just other people. So that way that, you know what, hopefully it prevents somebody else from having to go through what I went through. It was April 22nd of 2016. They uh, aired my story on CTV National. They made it sound like it was no big deal. This cancer is easily cured. And like Really? Like C- CTV made it sound like this, this was no big deal? Well, it's wow. you know what it's it's what they were being told. You know what they're they're just reporting on, you know stories that they've been told, and you know what they go out there, they speak to doctors, you know they speak to whoever it may be. So I'll get in a little bit deeper here. I eventually found a plastic surgeon who was recommended to me from this doctor at uh, MD Anderson Cancer Center. And he had had previously one case of this. I had asked him, well, how's that woman doing now, right? And mm-hmm. he couldn't tell me. He couldn't tell me if he, she was dead or alive. He says, well, you know what? I really don't follow up with my patients like that. You know, this is a special kind of circumstance. So I thought, oh, you know... <laughs> what am I doing here, right? But I had no other option. And you know what, at that time, I really didn't know that I was that my surgeon who was going to remove these breast implants that gave me cancer. He was the president of the Plastic Surgery Association of Canada. I was booked for my surgery on uh, September 29th. Um, They really pushed on me to sign these consent forms. And you know what, I wasn't going to sign anything again that fast. So, you know, I made sure I did my due diligence. And, uh, you know, on one thing on the consent, consent forms that they put um, is that the implants will be returned or they'll become property of the hospital. Now, that was on my consent form. I'm not sure if that's on every consent form. But what I do know is a lot of these implants, they are not given back to women. They're sent back to the manufacturers so that they can be destroyed and a lot of the times the the surgeon will get a kickback as well as a new set of implants to put into some other poor woman right so oh wow but i uh, yeah so but anyways i i underwent uh i underwent what supposed to be a total capsulectomy uh september 29th of 2016 so it took me two months from the time that i was diagnosed to get into surgery right and so I got out of surgery and everything, I guess, seemed to be okay. And uh, I had drains. A lot of women will have drains coming out as, you know, there's fluid mm-hmm. coming out. Not not every doctor does use them, but uh, I, in my opinion, I think that they should because, you know, it, you want to get as much of the crap out of you as possible, right? Yeah, yeah. With me, why I've been advocating so much is um, this this where it really hit me hard. Um, I had uh, I had one of the top lymphoma oncologists in in the world who is uh, caring for me. It, I had, I first had a, an oncologist uh, locally, but he couldn't deal with me. Um, had no idea, so they sent me to another oncologist. I got my pathology report 
um, back in October, I think it was October 17th or something of 2016, and it said page one of one. And it just said that, you know what, okay, there is uh, everything, the fluid is confined to the capsule. You know, there is no masses within the capsule. I was like, okay, that's great. I had my appointment with the, the plastic surgeon for a follow-up that day and the oncologist. And both me and my husband asked them, this was just prior to getting that uh, pathology report. We said, okay, was there any masses, anything like that? And they said, no, no. Both of them said, everything's fine. You're cured. <laughs> You know what? I walked away and I thought, okay, great. You know what? I I got this. I beat this in time. And you know what? You look at the statistics on uh, anaplastic large cell lymphoma and any non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, they're always more aggressive than a, a Hodgkin's lymphoma. And ALCL on its own makes up for about 2% of all NHLs. So when I say NHL, it's just short for non-Hodgkin lymphoma, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The survival rates aren't the greatest. But um, so at that time, I thought, okay, everything's good. You know what? I've got the surgery and I've got it done. And, you know, I can get back to being the mom that I was before. I just, I didn't get better. I was just like, I'm like, what's going on? Right. So I was, you know, I still remained sick. I mean, I spent about five months in in bed at that point, I think. And uh, I'm like, something's not right. And so I contacted the head of pathology at the hospital where I had my surgery done. And the woman who actually helped me to get my implants back, she just, uh, I said to her, I said, you know what, can you just like maybe see if we can send some stuff back to pathology? And, you know, I said, you know, I have a, my pathology reports only one page. And I said, you know what, I said, I just, something doesn't feel right. She says, uh, she says, oh my God, Danielle, she says, I can't believe this. She says, you know what, there's, there's an extra three pages to your pathology report here. And that's when I found out that my cancer had actually spread beyond the capsule. So I was then considered in advanced stages. At that point, it was, you know, it was pretty, pretty scary. And still to this day, I've had no treatment. I now have a new oncologist and he's amazing. I think one of the big things is that there is a big lack of knowledge. There's a lot of doctors out there that there you can go to places and you know what say you're showing symptoms of this like a family doctor whatever you know what you should be able to go to these people and this is another cancer that you know what it should just be something that it's sent out there and you know what people have okay you know what if you have breast implants you're told to have these implant cards with you right carry them in your wallet with you at all times you know, in case you're into get into a car accident or anything that they know that you have implants. Mm-hmm. When I got diagnosed, there was nobody out there that knew to help how to help me, and even to this day, like I'm still sick and dealing with uh, dealing with quite a bit. I've had two PET scans lately that have, or my last two that showed some uh, uptake, and uh, my oncologist has reached out to these world leading experts with uh, with no help, and you know that's that's really sad. I'm not sure if you've uh, seen anything, um, if you're familiar with the the ICIJ. No, I'm not. The ICIJ, so it's called the Implant Files, and it's um, the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. So basically, there's roughly around 250 uh, journalists around the world who have, uh, they started doing a bunch of stories on medical devices that have failed, and there's been so much that's come out into the media 
many women that I know that have made it to the front page of the Toronto Star. I'm not sure if you get it. I'm just looking at my copy here from, you know, it started earlier in November. And this was something they worked on over nine Eight, nine months, um, people who had failed medical devices, like from pacemakers that were going off to, you know, just just all kinds of different things. And the thing is that there's there's people that are dying from these medical devices. So it, it's not just breast implants alone. I'm sitting here and I'm on the front page of uh, the Toronto Star, a picture of me and my husband and five of my daughters. And it says in the in the dark over risk of implants, and you know what? I'm not the only person. It's uh, there's apparently 25 cases in Canada. I know of three of those women. 25 and cases I, of cancer in Canada. Yes. Now, okay. and I believe there's 617 cases worldwide. You'll hear people say that, you know, this is such a rare cancer. Well, you know, it's not rare. It's it's rarely tested and rarely diagnosed. If you're not testing patients, I mean, the world clinicians, these world-renowned clinicians have said, you know, if they're not looking for it, they won't find it, right? Exactly. So, and I mean, your case shows that you have to advocate for yourself. We did an episode not long ago on Kawasaki disease. Uh, my daughter had Kawasaki disease, um, which is extremely rare. I think something like 500 uh, cases in Canada a year. I mean, this cancer that yeah. you were diagnosed with is even more rare, but it seems that when something is so rare and so unlikely, the knowledge um, base just isn't there. You know, the doctors don't always think of it firsthand and it takes people advocating for themselves and for their children. It takes people like you to spread awareness and just make this be a thing that people think of when, you know, women are presenting with all of these issues. Well, maybe there's more to it than I don't know. I saw in some things in the group that, you know, people are sent home with, oh, you're, you know, you're stressed. It's anxiety. It's depression. You know, they're sent home <laughs> with antidepressants and it's, it's oh. not, you know, these are, these are exactly, I read um, the post by the woman who started the group who described the implants as uh, toxic bags of chemicals. And that's exactly the way you describe oh. them. Like everything that's inside of these things is toxic and women are just putting are them into their bodies because doctors are being said they're safe. Well, you know, you're talking about the breast implant illness and healing by Nicole, right? Yeah. That girl. Yeah. 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 So that's uh you know what, uh, Nicole Gerarda, she started up that group a long time ago. She actually lives over on in BC on Vancouver Island. Um, you know what, and, and she's done a lot of good, obviously, and there's there's a lot of women in that group. So it, there's we also have another group in Canada, like Breast Implant Illness and Healing Canada, right? Now, mm -hmm. it's the thing is, it's it's not rare. Like I said, like, I mean, when I originally got diagnosed, like I said, you know, he told me there was like roughly one in five million. You know what? Mm -hmm. The numbers are now as low as like, say, one in a thousand. They're talking about for a woman that were to get breast implants. But you got to think about it as this, you know, what? a woman gets two breast implants. So you cut that number in half. You know what? Now you're looking at one in 500. And what I, myself and other women have been pushing for, you know, there's been so much going on in the media, like 
down in the States at the FDA. Um, and you know, there's so many women advocating for this. It's that uh, we didn't sign up for this. None of us did. It's, it's really sad. But you know what, for myself, I am, um, I'm glad that it happened to me as opposed to somebody else. It's, it's really given me, it's given me a great purpose. And for all the struggles that I went through, being able to just share parts of my story with women and just raising awareness. And I'll tell you something that there's, I can't even go to Costco or anywhere <laughs> without meeting somebody. And, you know, I just, just talking to them and it's because everybody knows somebody who has breast implants we've got like so many women that with the breast implant illness and this is something that is uh is really it's been coming up for a long time and they're just starting to finally recognize it now i mean i i have a lawsuit obviously with the manufacturer my implants were made from allergan and um, that's something that was posted in the Toronto Star. And I don't know if I got treated the way I did earlier on because I went public, but we're here and we're going to have a voice. We need to we need to be heard, and that's what we're trying to do. And we're trying to raise awareness. And and you know what? There was a an article. The health minister came out, you know, saying that she's going to vow to make changes. Um, the health minister of Canada, and I mean, it's great to to see her saying that. But you know, we really need to see the changes. One of the founders of uh, the Canadian group that we have, Nancy, she's she's absolutely amazing, and I, you know, I can't even say how much she's done for other women because it's just it's just beyond incredible she had ruptured implants in her body for i think it was around 18 17 18 years she'll never get rid of the silicone that's in her body when i first learned about breast implant illness as i said from my client um initially uh what really got her to go back to her surgeon was because she had swelling similar to what you described in the beginning of your story and she yeah. was tested she was tested for this cancer and it came back negative um okay. but then you know her question was so why the fluid in my breast you know they kind of just got rid of the fluid and sent her on her merry way like okay you're fine but she still as i said had all these other symptoms and um she has had her implants out and is doing yeah. much better um but yeah, it was sort of like, it, it, the whole story was very bizarre to me because I said, well, what do you mean? You've got fluid in your breast, you've got swollen lymph nodes, and your your doctors are telling you you're fine. Like that just, just doesn't make any sense to yeah. me. Like, I, what do you mean you you're know fine? What? Oh, and you know, that's so frustrating. So there's, uh, when it comes in regards to the BIA, ALCL, like the cancer associated with breast implants, you know, we have different uh, different things that, you know, can be symptoms. So, you can have capsular contracture, you can have um, uh, swelling, um, like rashes, um, you know, deep itching. There, You know, there's a whole bunch of different symptoms. Uh, yeah, I, I and... did list some of them on the podcast that I recorded yesterday because it was just incredible to me. It was like your body was literally just shutting down system by system. The bloodshot eyes, the swollen lymph nodes, oh. the puffy face, the itching. Like, to me, it just sounded yeah. like torture. Every bit of it sounded like you guys are being oh, tortured. Yeah, and you know what? One of the big things that I, I want to point out, like, uh, I mean, I'm not sure about your friend and like how she was tested but that's one thing I we've been trying to fight for is that 
there are so many women like I, right now my focus is on Canada obviously like I mean I'm advocating for everywhere but in Canada we need to make change here right now right like right here right now mm-hmm. and uh, a big thing is that women are being brushed off you know they have this fluid say they do have it aspirated and uh, is it actually being sent to the proper testing there's a lot of women coming back saying okay you know I got tested you know and I'm fine and mm-hmm. uh, you know we find out that that their stuff has been sent somewhere and you know what they haven't done the proper immunohistochemistry or they the pathologist has says well you know they've visually inspected the the capsules or the fluid or whatever it may be and you know what no this person doesn't have it well you know what you can't see cancer through the naked eye just like anything else you know what everything needs to be biopsied it needs to go be going for the proper testing so right. there is a there's a big thing. Um, there's a guidelines for this. We talk about this on our podcast over and over again. Like, I ha- I think in a new a number of episodes, I've had to say like, okay, I don't hate all of you doctors, but or I don't, you know, it's everything is a business. Unfortunately, every single uh, thing, medicine is a business, cancer is a business. Like, it's it's all a business. And if you're not if you're not aware of these things um, and there's nobody that's really giving you the information, well, it's a scary, I mean, it's a devastating thing that you went through and that all of these women have gone through. And I really hope um, through all of your efforts and, you know, I it's even through my podcast, whatever, through all of these efforts that more awareness can be spread about this and that this is... Um, that you know like you said there there is going to be some change within Canada within the whole world because this is insane that women are dying from something that is 100% preventable and it's being treated as if it's like eh no big deal um I do have one question sort of a question slash comment before I get your information because I want to be able to link you with anybody who's listening so that they can get in touch with you if they want to um We've talked a lot about, you know, the stuff that's inside the implants and how it's getting into your body. I just want to clarify, the implant doesn't actually have to rupture for you to get sick from it and for the toxins to get into your tissues, correct? Absolutely not. My implants, uh, they, when they went in, they're weighed. When they come out, they're weighed. My implants weighed less coming out than they did going in. So there's what they would call a gel bleed. And it's kind of like a silent rupture. So over time, there's probably silicone floating around somewhere in me as well. And it's just that doesn't, your implant doesn't have to rupture in order for it to, to be leaking. And there are some doctors also out there recently that are trying to say that this is not a real cancer. Well, you know what? Tell that to me. Tell that to the other ladies. And they're saying it's just associated uh, with textured implants. And there's no smooth cases to date. Well, that is exactly what my client was told that it was that only is, associated with textured implants. That is 100% not true. Well, I love I love what you guys are doing. Um, as I said, this is all very new to me. This all stemmed from a conversation with a client that had my blood boiling. I mean, I <sighs> was immediately telling her like, get a lawyer, do that, you know, and then I started learning that there's, there's, you know, tens of thousands of you, probably more 
all going through similar things to different degrees. Um, what I really want to do, Danielle, is if you could let people who are listening know uh, what, how to find you on your public pages. Um, and when I do okay. post this podcast, I'll put links to everything that you've sent me. But just let people okay. know how they can reach out to you. Absolutely. So you could reach me through those public pages. Um, you can uh, see me on, on my personal Facebook. Um, it's a picture of myself and my daughter. And uh, it's if you look on there, it should say um, that I'm, a, I'm an advocate for breast implant illness and BIA, ALCL, as well as a mom. Um, not only that, you can contact me through email. Um, I have a pretty cool email that I love. It is bia.alcl.canada at gmail.com. You guys are a really big group of women that have taught me a lot of stuff in just, I think I only joined the, the one group about five days ago and it's been really yeah. incredible. Everybody's sending me, you know, I, I posted, I, I can let you guys all know how I, I met Danielle. I found a group on Facebook that was for people with breast implant illness and I put up a post saying, you know, I want to learn more. I want to do a podcast with somebody's story. And the number of women who sent me direct messages with photos and their entire story, I was like, this is just crazy. Um, but I definitely wanted to have Daniela on here because her story was a little more extreme than some of the other women that I talked to being that um, she actually had this rare cancer diagnosis. I think we'll wrap it up here and I'm going to definitely link all of the information that Danielle has talked about when we post the podcast. Um, thank you so much for talking to us so late at night, just before the oh, new you're year. Welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess actually it's much later for me than it is for you. Yeah, uh, anyway, no, that's okay. Thank you so much. And, uh, for everybody else, we will be, uh, following up with another episode on this probably very soon. So you've all been listening to two massage therapists and a microphone. Have a good evening.